Well, Merry Christmas. Hope you're all doing well. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. If this is your first time watching online, welcome. I got to make sure I say, because we're live streaming, um, I got to make sure that I'm super, super, super careful because we're live streaming. So um, I don't know how reserved that's going to be. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, we like to say all the time here at Central um, that we're a no matter church. And what we mean by that is we say no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you or when it happened, um, you're welcome here. Um, and we, we believe um, that over time, um, you can meet Jesus here, and Jesus Christ in his time um, could change you into who he's called and created you to be. And to start off today, I want to kind of build off of that no matter theme um, with a couple of questions. Because no matter who you are, um, we all face challenges in life. And I'm not talking about like current climate challenges and day-to-day things. Let's, let's not get like super spiritual here. Um, let's, let's start out with some basic challenges. Um, everyone's got to participate, all right? Um, this is an all-skate, so everybody's got everybody's to be in this. How many of you have ever stood in front of your closet and couldn't figure out what to wear? Raise your hand. Yeah, somebody, some hands went up like super fast, right? Like everybody's done this, even the guys too. Because seriously, like all of us have some choices for the most part. And you're like, dude, did you have choices this morning? That's what you chose, right? Um, another question. How many of you, I'll be honest, because Jesus is watching, how many of you have ever put on an outfit, took it off, and put on another one? How many of you have ever done that? See, guys aren't playing along here, I bet, but I know you have, right? How many of you have taken, keep your hand up. If you've done this, you've, take, you've put one on, taken it off. How many of you have taken that one off, put on another one? And then another one, only to take that off to put the first one back on, right? You, you, we've, we've all done that. All of us have faced that challenge. Or, or how about this one? Maybe this one's a little bit easier. How many of you have ever gone to a restaurant, sat down, they gave you the menu, and you can't figure out what you want to eat? Like, like you look at the menu, and you've got tons and tons and tons of options, but you can't figure out what you want. You know what you're hungry for, but after you see it, you're like, ah, I don't know what to do. That's why I love eating at Bordenero so much. Tommy has one option every day. If you don't like it, no lunch for you. Like, that's, that's what he should say. He doesn't. He'll probably make you something different because he's awesome. But um, all of that with our options, I, I say that to maybe help you um, kind of relate to me a little bit today. Because um, preaching a Christian Christmas message, super challenging. Let me tell you why. As pastors, we don't have a lot of options. For 2,000 years, the Christmas story has not changed. There's not going to be a plot twist today. Like, there's just, there's just not. We're not going to find out this year that Jesus was actually born in Glidden and not Bethlehem. We've got the same story to tell every single year. And it's the same people in the same story. Nothing has changed. One year, one year I was like, hey, you know what? I ain't even going to preach a Christmas message this year. I'm just going to do something that I think is going to connect with the people, and it's not going to be Christmas theme because I hate theme preaching. And some of you remember the year that I did this. And I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. And, and that's the year I learned, <laughs> dude, you don't screw with Christmas. Like, you just don't mess around with Christmas. When people come to church on Christmas, they want to hear about eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, right? And they want to hear Christmas and shepherds and Mary and Joseph and all that stuff. And so today... We're going to talk about the Christmas story, and I'm going to talk to you about a group of misfits in the Christmas story who are actually um, my favorite 
group of people in the story. And I want us to take a look at these people and see what we all, every one of us, me and you, have in common with them. We're going to talk about the shepherds today. Again, these guys, big misfits. Now, they're always in the story, right? They're, they're always there. They're just never featured in the story. I remember one time I played a shepherd in a church play. I wore my dad's bathrobe. My mom legit took a towel, put a towel over my head, and tied a red bandana around it to keep it in place. I looked like a member of the Crips, like I was ghetto shepherd. Like that, that was it. I didn't even have any lines. The shepherds never have any lines, ever. Now, I wasn't as cool as the shepherds you saw today. Shepherds sniffing each other's armpit, greatest thing I've ever seen in church. Like, like that's the be- best part. Like, it's awesome. But let's look at their story. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, we see there were shepherds, which means there's more than one, shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And that's huge, huge, huge. We're going to circle back around to this a few times in the story, but I'm going to explain this for a second. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. This was not one flock. There are many flocks. For years and years and years, I imagine this scene being like four or five guys. You know, like you got Frank and Bob and Steve and Jeff and Billy Joe Ray, and, and, and they're out farming, and they've got all of these sheep, and they're trying to take care of all of these sheep. But after studying through this, I found like how it worked was you would have one shepherd, and he would take care of this group of sheep. And you would have another shepherd, and he would take care of this group of sheep. And you'd have another shepherd, and he would take care of this group of sheep. Um, it, it was like, it, it wasn't like one shepherd, like, taking care of all of it or a group of them together. It was like one guy might have been here, and another guy was here. It, it, the shepherds, don't miss this, they might have been in the same proximity of each other, but they weren't together. Like, like when, when we read this and we say there were shepherds in the field taking care of their flocks, again, we think it's like this great big field with all of these sheep. It wasn't like that. It was one here taking care of these sheep, one over here taking care of these sheep, and one here. They weren't hanging out together. Now, while they were in the same proximity, right, that, that, that's going to play out huge in, in a little bit. So three things, three things quick I want to point out about the shepherds before we go further into the story. Three words that identify shepherds. Um, that I think that if we were all honest, um, that we really could identify with as well. The first one, if you're taking notes, is messy. Shepherds were messy. They were nasty and stinky. That's what they got right when they were sniffing each other's armpit over here. Like that was, I, I still just can't get that out of my head. That was, that was awesome. But 2,000 years ago, in Israel society, being a shepherd was considered to be unclean. And so if you were a shepherd, you were considered to be unclean. Now, that's huge because if you were unclean, you couldn't go to the temple. If you couldn't go to the temple, you couldn't have your sins prayed for. If you couldn't go to the temple, you could not be forgiven for your sins. And so it was an unclean profession. In other words, it was incredibly messy. How many of you have ever made a mess? How many of you, you've you've ever made a mess? Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I was messing around with my daughter, Chloe. Um, My daughter, Chloe, um, doesn't like to get wet willies, and so I know some people do, but my daughter Chloe is not one of them. And so she was sitting on the couch. I was behind the couch trying to trying to get her, and, and I couldn't. So I had and I had a soda in my hand. So I took. We have this flip down thing on our couch. This thing flips down. I don't know what you call that, um, drink holder, whatever. Um, and, and so I put the soda on top of this thing, and, and I knew as soon as I set it down, I knew it was a bad idea. But I had to get her wet willy. Like I just I had to get it. And, and, and I'm messing with her, and I'm trying to get it, and I'm trying to do all of this. And my dog, Zeno, um, jumped up on the couch because he wanted to, like, either c- 
come and take the wet willy for Chloe, because apparently he likes them, or he was trying to defend her. I'm not sure. But he jumped up on the couch, and he knocked over the soda, and it made a huge mess. It's all over the couch. Now, in that moment, I wanted to get mad at somebody. I wanted to be mad at Chloe because she just wasn't participating. I wanted to be mad at Zeno because he did it, but I couldn't. I made the mess, right? So I spanked them both and sent them to bed. Not, not, not really. We've all done that, right? We've all made a mess. Or, or we have felt like a mess at times. We've all done that. Well, the shepherds in the story, man, they felt incredibly messy. And, and, and here's, here's another important thing about the shepherds. We don't know why they were shepherds. Maybe it was a personal choice. Maybe they said, you know what? I know a shepherd's unclean. I know I can't go to the temple. I know I can't be connected to God as a shepherd, but I need to make some coin. Like, I need to make some money, and and this is the best way, easiest way for me to make some money, and so they chose to be shepherds. Or maybe they were shepherds because of life circumstances. Maybe they made a bad choice, or maybe they made a series of bad choices, and that led them into a place where they couldn't be anything else, and they became shepherds. We have, we have really no idea, and we could spend the rest of our time speculating as to why they were shepherds, but we don't know. We just know they were shepherds. Here's the thing I know about those of us who feel a little bit messy, whether, whether we made a mess or, or whether we feel like we are a mess or, or whether it's just kind of a, a combination of both. When you see a messy person, when you look at a messy person, a lot of times we don't know why they're messy, and we wonder, and we begin to think, well, what happened to them? Was it circumstances that happened to them? Was it personal choices that they had to make in the moment? And, 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 and we go through all of these things, and we begin to judge people, and, and we begin, to, we begin to, to, to call them all of these things that they're really not, and in doing that, we make them feel even more messy. And we know when people do that to us, It makes us feel incredibly more messy than we already are. And so when I'm talking about the shepherds being messy, I think all of us, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, can connect to these guys. Because all of us have done things that make us messy or make us feel messy. The second thing um, that I want to point out about the shepherds is the shepherds were lonely. Lonely. So not only were they messy... They're lonely because, once again, you've got this guy taking care of this group of sheep. You've got this guy taking care of this group of sheep. You've got this guy over here taking care of this group of sheep. And, 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 and while they're in the same proximity of each other, they're all alone. Everybody, everybody knows what it feels like to be all alone. You know, we can be in a room crowded full of people and be the loneliest person in the world. But if there's anything that we have learned since March is that a pandemic can isolate you and make you feel incredibly lonely. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing that I know about our society. I was just reading this this week. Loneliness is becoming an epidemic. And, and listen, it's not necessarily because of the virus. But 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 listen, think about this. Because because of because of social media, we're able to be connected to more people than we've ever been able to be connected to in the history of the world. And and, and, and let me pause and say this. I'm not going off on the Shut your phones off and get off face tweet and all that other stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm saying we're more connected than we've ever been, yet we're more lonely. And you know why? You know why we're lonely? I, I, think, I think about it like this. I, I think the only time that we don't feel lonely is when we're around people who really know who we are. And, and, and we're so afraid of people to really know who we are 
that we're scared to death that if, that if we really knew who we were, they wouldn't want to be around us. And so we don't let people know who we really are. And that makes us feel lonely. Now, I'm just saying, if you're messy, it often leads to us feeling lonely because we don't want people to know how messy our lives really are. Which leads to the third thing about the shepherds. They were uncertain. They were uncertain. All of us have experienced uncertainty in life. We could tell a hundred stories each of times when we have been uncertain. We live in uncertain times right now. We don't know what 2021 is going to hold. We don't know what's going to happen with vaccines and viruses and all this other stuff. But let me tell you this. Let's, let's talk about the shepherds. Let's focus in on them. Let me tell you how uncertain they were. The religious system of this day, now, th- th- don't miss this. The shepherds, in, they're in Bethlehem. They kept the sheep that were used in the temple for the sacrifices for the sins of the people. And so the shepherds, this is huge, the shepherds could take care of the sheep that were used for the sacrifices, but they couldn't have those same sheep that they were carrying for sacrificed for their sins. And so that led them into a little bit of uncertainty because it was probably for them like, hey, we're out here taking care of sheep that are used for the sacrifice. Maybe that counts for something. We, we can't go to the temple and have our sins forgiven for, but we're raising the sheep that they're sacrificing. We're out here doing something good, and so that should count for something. Like maybe that gives us a, a, a notch on God's good side or something. And, and so they're spiritually confused and uncertain. And what I've discovered by talking to people is when it comes to spirituality and a relationship with Jesus, there's a lot of uncertainty, especially if, like, 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 just answer this question. Just answer this question for yourself. You don't have to answer it out loud. Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt closer to God than you are right now? If the answer is yes, that leads to uncertainty, right? It, it leads to, where do I stand with God? How does, how does God view me? How does he see me? Like, where do I stand with him? How is our relationship? Are we on good terms or are we on bad terms? The shepherds were uncertain. Now, those three words, messy, lonely, and uncertain, can make us all feel like misfits. But there's another word that's going to work its way into the story, peace. And as you look at these four words right here, pick one. And don't tell anybody. Like, you don't have to... You don't have to write this down. You don't have to say anything out loud. Just pick which word on that list identifies you the most. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what my word is. Um, However, I will tell you which word on that list is not my word. Well, I'll just let you guess. Anyone guess which word is not my word? Peace, right? Peace. Like, that is the, the word I identify with the least is peace. I feel like anytime I do experience peace, something interrupts it. For example, I don't experience peace when I'm driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of me. Anybody else? Like peace is gone in a second. I don't experience peace when I am at high V in the express lane with my 10 items and somebody in front of me has 15 items and she, it's always a she, is about to write a check. Like I'm just saying, man, peace is gone. All of us know what it's like for peace to be interrupted. And so with that in mind, thinking about messy, lonely, uncertain misfits who are looking for peace, let's continue the Christmas story. So what Luke says in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
Now, let me say this real quick. The reason they were terrified is, is they were taught that God punishes good people and, 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 and love, or God punishes bad people and loves good people. So they were terrified because they thought that God was going to get them. Like, that's what they had been taught all their life. And so they're out in the middle of the field, and all of a sudden, here comes the angels, and here comes the light, and they're thinking, oh, crap! It's the wrath of God. The judgment of God is now falling upon us. And you know what I've discovered? The reason a lot of people don't come to church is, is they, they already feel bad enough about being messy, lonely, and uncertain without coming to church. And they're scared to death that when they come into church and they experience the presence of God and, and, the, and the person and the work of Jesus Christ, they're afraid that God's wrath is going to fall on them. And, and so these guys, these shepherds, are terrified. And so the angel speaks up, and I love this. The angel says in verse 10, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. I love that. Love that, love that, love that. I love the fact that the angel said, I bring you good news. I love that the angel did not say, I bring you good advice. L listen, one of the things that Christianity should spend way more time focusing on is good news rather than good advice. Like, like good advice is, is don't listen to this kind of music. Don't go to these kind of movies. Don't watch these TV shows. Don't vote for this person. Don't vote for this party. And you know what I've discovered? The world is not interested in our good advice. But good news, good news is unconditional love. Good news is amazing grace. Good news is nothing is impossible with God. Good news is the tomb is empty. And if I think if we spent way more time focusing on good news rather than good advice, the gospel would advance much, much, much further in the world. That's probably a good place for somebody to say amen. Anyway, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not, not great shame, not great guilt, which, come on, as Christians, we're known for that, aren't we? Creating shame and guilt in somebody's life? That's another message for another time, but, but you all know what I'm talking about. Shame and guilt. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That is awesome. Because, listen, don't, don't miss this. God chose to announce the birth of his son to messy, lonely, uncertain misfits that were out in the middle of nowhere doing something that the world would consider to be unclean. Isn't that awesome? Like God, don't, 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 don't miss this. God didn't announce the birth at the temple. God didn't announce the birth of his son at the church. He announced it to messy, lonely, uncertain, unclean shepherds. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. <laughs> Let me say this real quick because this is in the text and I think this is huge. Luke actually mentions manger, the word manger, three times in the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, if you read through Luke chapter 2, you'll see manger three times. Here's the deal. This is why this is important. <laughs> we look at mangers today in our Christmas plays and our nativity scenes, and, and, and they're just really cute, and they're really nice, and, and they're just really clean. <laughs> mangers were messy. Animals animals ate out of the manger quick question how many of you would take your brand new baby today and put it in your dog bowl how many of you would do that no one right because it's messy your dog ate out of that thing and i know your dog is awesome and great and when your dog is licking you on the face you open up your mouth you lick him back i know you do all of that stuff but your dog is still nasty 
Your dog is still messy. Animals ate out of the manger. But don't miss this. The reason that I believe that the baby was in the manger and the angel kept telling the shepherds, manger, 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 is because the angel wanted the shepherd to know that the, the Messiah could identify with their mess. And not only could he identify with their mess, he ultimately came to take their mess away. It goes on to say this in verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace to those whom his favor, the Greek word right here is the word charis, which also means grace. All right, so that's huge. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Peace on whom his favor or on his grace rest. Now, here's the deal. In reading this, I thought, if there's peace on earth, where's mine? You ever felt that? There's peace on earth? Like, legit, where's my peace? I think all of us know what it's like to feel the absence of peace. Like when you're riding down the road and you see the blue lights in your mirror, peace is gone just like that, right? When you get the credit card bill in the mail, peace is gone. When you step on the scale after eating all the Christmas goodies, peace is gone. And so are some of the outfits that you got for Christmas, right? Like we we all know what it's like to experience times where peace is absent in our lives, especially in our spiritual lives. And the reason we feel like that is because we know people that are better than us, right? That we perceive to be better than us. We we seem to to know people who we think have it all together. Notice I said seem because you you know what I've discovered? Like this, in all my years of doing life, and this has nothing to do with church world or ministry, nobody has their stuff together. Nobody does. And the more put together they look, the more they're probably pretending and the more messy and lonely and uncertain they really are, and the more that they're looking for peace. The angel said, peace on those whom his grace rests. And again, I'm like, man, if we received his grace, then where's my peace? And I'll get to that in a minute. Verse 15, when the angels left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, so, so don't miss this, the lonely people out in the middle of nowhere hear about the Messiah, and Jesus brings the lonely people together. The shepherds who had their individual flocks all of a sudden come together around the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, let me say this. Jesus Christ didn't just die on the cross to save us. He did, and that's awesome, and that's incredible. And and if that was just it, that would be enough. But he also died on the cross so that we could come together. He died so that we could actually experience peace with one another as well as peace with him. This is so cool. Look, Look at this. The shepherd said to one another, let's go. In in other words, it's going to be a journey that we're going to go on together. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So lonely, messy, uncertain misfits all of a sudden hear about Jesus, and they start on a journey to see the Messiah. This is a great picture of what the church is supposed to look like. Not perfect people, not people who have it all together, but just some messy, lonely, uncertain misfits showing up to hear about and follow this man named Jesus goes on to say this verse 16 so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in a manger there there it is again laying in a manger when they had seen him they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them you know why they were amazed you want to know why they were amazed because it was shepherds who were telling them this it wasn't the priest wasn't the prophet, wasn't the pastor, it was the shepherds who were telling them the good news. That's awesome. 
And then look at this. This is how Luke closes out the story, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned. Don't miss that. They returned. They met Jesus, and they stepped back into shepherding. Don't miss that. They didn't go from shepherd to prophet. They go back to shepherding. That's a real unique part of the story that Luke shares with us. The shepherds returned, but, and they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard. All the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I want to make two points quickly before I close this thing out. Two things when it comes to peace that we see in the story of the shepherds. The first point is this. Peace is a process that begins with Jesus. Peace is a process that begins with Jesus. Listen, the shepherds were promised peace on earth. The shepherds would go, and they would see Jesus. They would celebrate this event. It's super exciting. But then they step back into shepherding. That that doesn't seem right, does it? Aren't we used to church stories where we're told, I was a shepherd, and I met Jesus, and I became high priest. Like, like that's what we're used to, right? We're used to stories like, I was a crack-smoking axe murderer, and I met Jesus, and now I'm an evangelist. Like, Like, aren't those the stories that we're used to? But right here in this story, we see the shepherds were messy, they're isolated, they're lonely, and they're uncertain. They go see Jesus, their uncertainty is gone, and they step back into their same circumstances. See, the reason this stands out to me is because a lot of people will tell you, if you pray to receive Jesus, just pray to receive Jesus, it'll change everything. And that's true, and it's also not true. Like, he really does change everything internally. He, he, he does. Like, he changes our an eternal destination. He, he changes our heart. He takes all the wrong, and he makes it right. There are some changes involved. But if you pray to receive Jesus, you might still struggle with an addiction. If you pray to receive Jesus, you might still wrestle with a mental illness. If you pray to receive Jesus, you, you might still have to navigate through some uncertain situations. Can he heal people immediately? Yes, he does. I've seen it. But more often than not, peace is a process that begins with the person of Jesus. I would say we can't have true peace apart from Jesus. And so if you're a Christian and sometimes you wrestle with, why is my life like this? Why is this happening? Listen, he's working us through a process. And in his time, in his time, in his time, in whose time? His time, not ours. In his time, he makes everything as it should be. You don't like where you are right now? I get it. I understand. Uh, At times, I'm right there with you. I would just say that you're probably in the middle of a process. Second thing I want to tell you about grace, he says, peace on earth whom his favor, his grace rests. Grace is not something we achieve. It's something we receive. The reason a lot of people don't experience peace on earth It's because we're so uncertain as to whether or not we've done enough to gain God's approval. In other words, have I gone to church enough? Have I read my Bible enough? Have I sang loud enough? Do my my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds? Like, I I remember having a conversation with a guy one time, and I said, hey, how do you you think you get to heaven? And he said, well, my pastor told me when I get to heaven, they're going to burn my good deeds, and they're going to burn my bad deeds. And if the ash pile of my bad deeds is bigger than my good deeds, I go to hell. But if the ash pile from my good deeds is bigger than my bad deeds, I go to heaven. And I'm like, dude, like, are, are you serious? And he's like, 
Yeah, man, that's why I just try to be good, because I know that I'm bad. But if I could do two good deeds to every bad deed that I do, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I tried to explain grace to him, and it probably didn't work, because some idiot pastor told him some dumb story. But let me ask you this question when it comes to grace. What did the shepherds do in order to receive God's grace? Nothing. They did absolutely nothing. God appeared to them when they were messy, lonely, and uncertain and announced the gospel to them. And all they had to do was receive it. Like, that's it. And if that's what he did 2,000 years ago for messy, lonely, uncertain shepherds, that's what he'll do for you. That's what he did for me, the gospel. That God came to earth as a baby, lived a sinless life, became the ultimate sacrifice for us by dying on the cross to take away my sin, your sin, our sin. And then three days later, conquered death by walking out of the tomb. He did that for me, and he did that for you. And all we have to do is receive that. Like, that's it. And so at the end of the day, when we talk about peace on earth, when we think about peace at Christmas time, peace is a process that begins with the person of Jesus. That process doesn't start until we stop trying to achieve God's grace and actually receive his grace. That's the message of Christmas, that Jesus Christ fits perfectly into our lives. And we don't want to miss that. Let's pray. Father, right now I pray for everyone who is here, who might be watching online, God, who might be going through a time where, where they wouldn't necessarily pick peace as a word that describes them. Jesus, I pray that just as in the story of the shepherds, there, that, that, that we would all be reminded that we're not alone, that you would see exactly where we are, and, and, and that we would all understand that, that you are with us. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you've never prayed. Maybe you've never, maybe you've never received God's grace. Maybe you've never received Jesus. You always thought you could just work and be a, a super good person. Well, the shepherds could have never worked their way out of shepherding. But they did receive God's grace. And so maybe you're like the shepherds, and, and today you realize that, that, that you've worked hard or you've tried some good stuff, and you, you, and, and you just continue to feel messy and lonely and just spiritually just lonely and isolated. Well, the good news today is what Jesus did for the shepherds. He wants to do for you as well. And today, all you got to do in order to become a Christian is simply say, Jesus, I want to live my life for you. I, I, I want to receive your grace so if that's you, and, and by the way, Christmas 2020 would be the greatest time to receive this, this free gift of grace, the best time to receive Jesus into your life. If you want to receive Jesus into your life today, then right where you are right now, you can just pray this prayer. You can just say, just Jesus, right now I receive your grace. I receive your unconditional love. I receive you into my life. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and, and rose from the grave for the forgiveness of, of my sin. And I thank you for that. And today I ask you to come into my life and, and take control. Just take over. All of me for all of you. Come into my life and, and be my Lord. Be my God. Be my King. Be, be, my, be my Savior. Save me. Save me from this world. Save me from 
from hell. Save me from myself. And I promise from this day forward to follow you every single day the best that I can to continually take my next step. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, whether you're in-house or whether you're online, we would love to know. We'll have some people um, who will be up here who would love to pray with you and for you and celebrate that with you. Let somebody know at the welcome desk on your way out. If you're watching online, send us an email or let us know in the comment, whatever platform that you're watching on. Um, together, we're going we're gonna to finish the song, and then Pastor Gary is going to come up and he's going to close us out in prayer. But we're going to sing Silent Night together. Um, so will you stand and, and, and let's sing this song and, and let's really understand what it is that God did for us. And it gave us this grace.